Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Looking at it so aggressively while he does that. <laughs> I hope Sean keeps this part in the intro. Oh my god. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. We are back, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't really go anywhere, but but oh, we're, yeah. we're, we're back in studio. And this is episode 113. Today we're gonna talk about the new year. So, Ryan, how was your Christmas? <laughs> it was amazing. You know why? Why? Because I spent it with the people that matter the most. I'm sorry you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually recording this before Christmas. I'm also spending my Christmas with the people that matter the most. I'm actually going to be alone this uh, Christmas. <laughs> oh, dude, that's like the perfect Christmas gift for you. It really is. Like we, we totally actually right after this, I have to take uh, Bex and Ella to the airport. They're heading out. Ella's doing like three Christmases this year, so we had ours in California. Oh, wow. She's doing uh, Minnesota, and then she's going to be back in Montana so you, with her you father. Just had Christmas while they were in town. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. So, so like we just did. You guys do a tree and stuff. No, uh, we did. A, we did a tree, but like we didn't do physical gifts for her. We did experiential gifts. So, awesome. So there wasn't like the 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 requisite unwrapping of unnecessary items. You know, it's funny. I was gonna save this for the uh, recommended uh, value uh, I, section. I think he means added value. But we're, <laughs> we're, we're rusty. We're back in studio. Oh, by yeah, added in, value. By in studio, we <clears throat> we, we mean we're in uh, our friend Matt Diavella's kitchen. Yes. Uh, shout out to, to Matt Diavella. And Matt's over in the corner right now eating lasagna. <laughs> He's so Italian. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah. For that, I was going to say with the added value, I had a couple things, so I'll, I'll just say this right now. You, the other day, you sent me a text, and you were like, hey, we're going to go look at Christmas lights. Do you want to go? Um, so Mariah and I went with you and, and Bex and Ella to, to go look at Christmas lights. I don't, like, I don't know why. Like, that is something I used to do all the time. And I haven't really gone out of my way to do that. So thank you very much. Yeah, you're, you're for giving for gifting me that experience. Well, Was I think it? I think you just you, you used the key phrase there. Gone out of my way. I mean, it it is like truly out of the way, like literally ge- geographically. We went, we went over to Beverly Hills because they have the most posh lights. And, yeah. And uh, so we drove over to Beverly Hills, found a, a parking space at a meter, and then walked around and, and just checked out the lights and and didn't buy anything on Ro- Rodeo Drive. Um, but we still got to enjoy the the experience have, of taking a look at the lights. That's the first time I've ever been on Rodeo Drive. Yeah, my God, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like I lost ten thousand dollars just walking down that street. Well, that's how much it was to uh, to park at the meter. <laughs> just yeah, for the meter, it was ten thousand dollars an hour. Anyway, today we're going to talk about the new year, and we are we are back in studio. We're gonna. Be back in studio a lot more, as you know. We're building a new podcast and, and film studio. In the meantime, we will uh, we'll be set up in, in Matt's kitchen. Hopefully, if he'll, for as long as he'll let us do this. By the way, check out his podcast. Uh, you've heard him on our podcast before. It's called the Ground Up Show. All right, Ryan, this is the time of year that people reset, they reassess, and uh, I'm talking about the new year. So, so this yeah. comes out on on New Year's Day, 2018. And people start to refocus. So we've got some questions that people are asking us. And we've got some questions from social media as well. Do you want to go ahead and jump in? Let's do it, man. Let's get into these voicemails. All right. Well, our first voicemail is from Greta. 
in what I would say Melbourne, Australia. Some people might say Melbourne. That's how they pronounce my name sometimes. But I know in Australia, <laughs> it's Melbourne. Melbourne, Australia. Uh, although in Scotland, that's how they pronounce my last name too. Melbourne? Yeah. That's Joshua funny. Fields, Melbourne. Now, Josh, you correct me if I'm wrong. I usually do. <laughs> um, the, the, the way that we pronounce things, we should pronounce them in the vernacular that, or yeah, like using the vernacular of the country we're from, correct? So like we would say Melbourne. Right. So is that how we should say? Because like I know, um, like I'll say Lao, like, hey, I went to Lao, and people mm-hmm. are like, oh, Laos. Right. And in, in, in the States. Right we say Laos. Right. So like I will say Laos like just to not confuse people or what. I don't know. Am if I, I, if I had to be am I thinking per- about this too much? No, if I had to be prescriptive about it, you, you would, yes, you, you would use the dialect from which you are accustomed and in which you're in right now, which mm. would be standard American English, uh, also known as a standard written English in a lot of textbooks. But that said, I'm not that prescriptive. And I think you could be a descriptivist about this and you can say tomato. You could say, hey, Josh, can you get me a tomato? Well, you know what's funny is people, they say tomato, tomato, but I don't, who says tomato? British people and Australian people in in Melbourne. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think they say tomato. I see. All right. All right. (laughs) Greta from Tomato, Australia. (laughs) I wanted to ask the question about your day-to-day planning and organizing. I feel like I am the type of person that loves to organize, to be organized, yet doesn't stay organized. So if you guys have any comments or suggestions on like whether you use uh, online daily planners or organizers or phys- uh, physical ones, I'd uh, love to have some help. Now, Ryan, I'm looking at you and your Franklin planner and all of its tabs. <laughs> Dude, I'm just thinking, I'm the worst person to ask this question to. It's funny. I was thinking that you're also the worst person to ask about this question. Maybe, maybe I'm also the best person to ask because I'm so bad. <laughs> at, Ryan, at, what shouldn't she... Tell her what you do and that's, that'll explain what she shouldn't do. Tell Greta what she should not do. First off, dude, I am so pumped to go to Australia. It's going to be so much fun. Greta, we are excited to go to Melbourne, Australia also. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say it right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Perfect. Um, man, how, how to plan. Well, here's... I, I was actually having this conversation yesterday with a, with a mentee. Um, here's what I would say first and foremost. Step number one, Greta, you have to figure out what is it that you want to accomplish each day. That is first and foremost. Uh, so during the week, Monday through Friday, you've probably got work. Great. So what is your schedule uh, or what do you need to accomplish each day, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday might look a little bit different. What do you, what do you want to accomplish on those days? What do you think? Is that a good step? Number one, Josh? Well, I thought this was a good question because of, of the sort of new year thing and people want to lay, it's almost like a resolution. Like I want to become more organized. So, So what you're saying there is identify your priorities. And so the new year thing it, quite often it's like, well, I have these 17 resolutions, right? Mm-hmm. And and then all of a sudden they all go by the wayside because you become overwhelmed. So if you, yes, if you say step number one, but then, and, and you figure out, well, here are my 17 priorities, 
that's a good start, but guess what? You're probably not going to get all 17 of those important things done over the course of the day. Absolutely, and I think that's why it's important to write these out because we have to get clear on what we want to accomplish. And then I think from there, it's it's getting clear on, okay, now what are we actually able to accomplish? Right, right. And, and so if if you look at that list of 17 items, you might say, okay, what what is this is a Tim Ferriss thing, but he'll say, like, what is the one thing if I accomplish today out of all of these 17 items that will render the rest of these less important or unnecessary altogether, right? Yeah. And and I find that quite often with me, if I have a to-do list, the, the thing that makes the to-do list easy to tackle is I'll go in there and I'll just delete stuff from it. Or what mm-hmm. I'll do is if, I, if I'm terrified of deleting it, I have two lists. You could actually see it on my computer right now. There's a today list. Like here's what I have to do today. It's on my computer, it's on my phone. I just use the little memo pad. Here's what must be done today. And then if it gets too full, I say, okay, I'm going to move that to a someday list. Mm. And that tells me it's not a real priority in my life. But like, for example, next week, uh, I'm not going to be with, with family most of the week. And so I'm going to just be with myself. I have a, this whole list of here's some stuff I want to do someday. I need to reassess my term life insurance. And then I will take time to like go through all these boring mundane tasks. They're not things I must do absolutely today. Although we trick ourselves, don't you think? Like we trick ourselves into saying, totally. I've got to do all this stuff and I have to get it done immediately. Yep. And it's hard to prioritize when everything is an emergency. Yeah, and we, always, we put pressure on ourselves too to do too much in a day. It's like we have this long list of, of stuff and for some reason, uh, and I know a lot of people out there feel this way, like for me, if I've got 10 things, uh, knocking five of them off, it makes me feel almost inadequate. Mm. Like, oh, I'm not, I can't handle all this or I, I can't accomplish enough in a day and I start to beat myself up. Yeah, I'm not and, type A enough. I'm not hard charging right, enough, especially right. in the culture that we're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so I think what you're saying there, if you have 10 items and you cross five of them off, you're saying no to those five that are less important so you can say yes to the five that are more important. Absolutely. I, I actually have the opposite dilemma sometimes. Sometimes I'll say, man, I've got these five things. Like there's a thing, a phone call I have to make today that's on my list I've been dreading for several days. And it's been on my today list for like three days. And I'm like, (laughs) wait a minute, this is, it it was today yesterday. So I don't have a yesterday list. (laughs) And so it just, it sort of stays on this list. And there's a phone call I'm, I'm dreading to make. Um, Are you calling? Uh, is it is it the call to Cleo the psychic? You gotta <laughs> yes, <it's laughs> Diana Warwick. Um, yeah, she knows I'm calling. <laughs> Were you worried about what the future holds? <laughs> if you're a psychic, would you're you be it. worried about the future? What the future holds? Um, man, you just blew my mind. <laughs> anyway, uh, what I'll do sometimes I've got these five things that need to get done. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But they're the, the more difficult things to do. And so instead, I will like pacify myself. I'll just get on YouTube and watch a video really quick because that's right. my crack. And then all of a sudden, it's four hours later. There's drool and ketchup on my shirt. I don't even know why there's ketchup on my shirt. I wasn't eating I, anything. I walked in on you one time. There was drool and ketchup everywhere. <laughs> it was on the walls. <laughs> and what I realized is like, man... Let me reward myself with, say, a YouTube binge after I complete these five tasks. What I'll do, and here's the, the messed up part about it. That phone call that I need to make today is going to take all of three minutes. Mm. Maybe if it goes really well, it'll go 10 minutes. Mm. And then it's done. Mm-hmm. And even even if it goes badly, like it's out of the way. Mm. And then I can get on to drooling on myself in front of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few, few other things here. So she, she mentioned like, 
Um, she loves being organized, but she doesn't stay organized. It's like I, I, the saying with writers, the uh, writers don't like writing that they like having written. And what she's saying is she doesn't like organizing. She likes being organized. Right. And I think we all, Ryan, you don't like organizing. Oh my God, no. I, I if, don't if, like organizing. Honestly, it, fe- it feels to me like, um, well, not anymore because uh, I, I have incorporated some some things into my life that has helped me out a lot with, with scheduling and stuff. I'm still not perfect at it for sure, but definitely better than you know what I was my 25-year-old self. But it used to feel pointless. It mm. used to feel like a waste of time. And I don't know why, but it was like this, I don't need to be that organized. I can just... I can just wing it and fly by the seat of my pants and be just fine. I think I think I know why though. With <clears> you, so, so here, here's we're joking that you're like the less organized of the two of us. That's because I'm Fort Knox when it comes to organization, right? <laughs> um, it's not fair. Yeah, I'm the the Library of Congress of <laughs> of my own domain. Yes. Um, but that said, and that's just because I'm OCD. It's not like. It's an affliction that I've been that I'm suffering from for for the last thirty six years, but with you, you are I I think you're a healthy degree of organized, but but it's not because you have that tendency to be organized. It's you've set up some of these things in place where you're like, I know what my priorities are, I know what my values right. are, and I know what actions I need to take. And then you also put the appropriate level of discomfort on yourself and discontent if you don't get something done Mm -hmm. where you're like, Oh crap, I really meant to do that. And it didn't get done. It was on my list. And you, you beat yourself up, but not so much that you like feel bad, but enough that you're like, I don't want to feel that pain again. So I might as well go ahead and and complete this task because the the task is easier than the pain I'm going to feel if I don't complete it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what I'll say is organizing is well-planned hoarding, (laughs) right? And and so the first thing we want to do if we're organizing our life is we want to have less to organize. Now, what does that mean it can be less stuff to organize the average american household has 300,000 items in it it's really difficult to organize 300,000 items i know trust me i had an ordinal system of boxes and bins and all the stuff in my basement and closets and garage and uh, second living room and spare bedroom and the closet in the spare bedroom which was my second closet for all the oversized shirts that i didn't wear they were alphabetized and i realized like you know what like this stuff is really hard to organize because I have so much of it. So if you if you want to make it easier for you to organize, get rid of the stuff. Now, it might not just be stuff. It might be that you have too much stuff on your calendar. Mm. You have too much stuff on your computer, mm. uh, social media occupying your time, too much time sucks with your television that's on the wall or or these other activities that you're embarking in that, that are embarking on that fill up your calendar either literally like you've planned them or you haven't planned them at all and so you're like well i've got a free couple hours i'm not going to focus on my priorities i'm going to focus on well i'm not going to focus on anything really i'm going to veg out and there's time for that sure. for sure but 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 not if it's getting in the way of what's truly important. So if you want to organize your life, I found for me having slack in my calendar is important. Having fewer things scheduled. In fact, last week, you and I canceled a bunch of interviews that we had scheduled. Like, ah, oh, we'll just t- tackle these interviews after the tour. And it was like, well, no, like I've been reprioritizing and focusing on my health. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm organizing my calendar in that fashion where I need that slack in my calendar so that I can focus on the things that are most important. So uh, some practical tips there. Have a today list. Have a someday list. Uh, Ryan, you, you, you talked about having uh, uh, at the beginning of each day knowing like what are the, what are the things I must accomplish today? Right. Well, it's, when, when, I, when I was thinking about Greta's question, I thought about 
like the process I would go through and it, it would be very similar to um, like a, a budgeting process with, with uh, my money. I mean, the same process would apply to my time. If I feel like I'm so overwhelmed, I would take, okay, uh, I, I would take, you know, the last month. What have I been doing with my time? Uh, how, have I, how have I been spending it? What do I, how much time do I need? What are things I can say no to? I mean, you know, kind of putting things into a, a, a likes, once needs list. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, I think this could also help, help Greta. I, I think the number one thing for me though, and I, this is such a simple, simple thing, but like my calendar, like that is what, that's the, that's my Bible. That is like, I get up and I know exactly, yes, what I want to do right. each day. And I have that scheduled in my calendar, even to the extent of, um, I had to get something in the mail yesterday and I knew I wouldn't get, it was over the weekend that I found this out and I knew I wouldn't be able to get to it until Tuesday. So I literally in my calendar put a little entry in there. Hey Ryan, get this in the mail. Um, yeah. so, so that's another thing too, Greta is, so figure out what you want to do and then put that stuff in your calendar and, 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 and treat that thing as gospel. And then it, honestly, like the, the biggest part of, and this is, you know, so easy to give advice. I need to like take this advice myself, but taking the action, yeah. taking massive action, like really, really treating that calendar as gospel and, and, and finding the leverage to act on on those, those things that you have, uh, scheduled in there. So it's like, I was thinking about this earlier, uh, when I was thinking about Greta's question, um, yesterday, the mentee I was talking to about this, this time scheduling, they asked me, well, how do you find the leverage to, you know, to, um, get in bed by 10 o'clock? Like, that was one specific thing. I'm like, I got to make sure that I'm in bed by nine 30 or 10 o'clock. Cause I want to be up by seven. Takes me about an hour to fall asleep, so I try to make sure I'm in bed by no later than ten o'clock. You just make make sure Mariah's there and like some negligee or something. <laughs> right. <It's> scheduled. <laughs> no. By the way, when we walked in, I totally found out that Matt is into penguins. He has some weird fetish. <laughs> I know. I on. saw that Natalie walking out in her nightgown in a penguin outfit. <laughs> Did you see that? What was going on? <clears throat> um, apparently, that's Actually, I don't apparently that's, know what's going that's her on. work dress code. No, apparently it's right. wear it's it's wear pajamas to work day. That was that was really really funny. <laughs> But um, but no, no. Mariah is actually pretty good about saying, "Hey, maybe we should go to bed." Or, "Hey, Ryan, I'm gonna go brush my teeth," and it's kind of like that's my cue to get in bed. But she was asking me, "What is the leverage?" And you know what? The leverage is is I want to get up at seven a.m. The leverage is is in order for me to live a meaningful life. Like I've got to be up at seven a.m. And there are certain things that I want to do each day. And if I don't do those things, I'm not going to feel complete. So the leverage for me is simply forcing myself to do it because I know that it's going to make me feel more complete the following day. Yeah, and I think she asked like what you know, like what what physical do you use a particular planner or whatever? I think you use whatever's best for you. Sure. I mean, if you really, I was joking about you don't have a Franklin planner in front of you, obviously. <laughs> no, I, I have a notebook. I mean, I use this notebook for notes, but it is. I mean, it looks like a crazy person's. I mean. If I ever like fall off a roof or something, and people find this, they're gonna just like I can't. <laughs> like, what is this? I need some sort of Rosetta yeah. Stone to to read to read this. But um, my calendar, I use Google Calendar, um, and Ryan and I we have a shared calendar for our uh, work stuff with oh, the minimalists. That is huge. If if you have a like for me and Mariah, yeah. So for anyone out there as a partner, and uh, you guys you know are having trouble with scheduling issues just having a shared calendar like that for me and Mariah is huge and the same thing for us 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, and it allows uh, me to see, okay, uh, before I even ask Ryan if he's available at this time, I can check his calendar and, and then uh, I can ask him if, there, if I don't see anything on the calendar. I'm obviously not just going to schedule something for Ryan. Hey, Ryan, uh, I've scheduled to wash my car at 3.30 today. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, use whatever works best for you. And if you don't know what works best for you, try some different stuff out. Um, and, and figure and keep, keep the stuff that adds value. Let go of the, the tools that aren't adding value. There is one thing I got to throw out here. Um, for anyone out there who is, uh, who has trouble scheduling with clients. So for me with, with mentoring, um, Josh, you, you know how much hassle I had when I was trying to email back and forth scheduling times. Yeah. And, 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 and it was a, I was happy to have the hassle, but it was like, okay, here are some dates. No, no, I'm not available those dates. How about these dates? No, 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 I'm not available those dates. How about, and we were going back and forth. And then Josh, you actually showed me the tool uh, schedule once. Right. And this is basically a tool that I use now when um, I have someone sign up for a uh, mentoring session I send them a link, they click on the link, and they have access to my calendar, and they can see exactly when I'm available. So uh, this may not help you, Greta, but um, I'm sure there's someone out there who has uh, who, who has clients that they need to schedule time with, and maybe they're, they're having a, a hassle like I was. Um, yeah, schedule once. I probably should have saved that for the added value too, but uh, this seemed like an appropriate time. No, that's good, that's good. And, and uh, Greta, by the way, s- since you're in Melbourne, uh, we'd love to give you a couple tickets to our second Melbourne event. The first one sold out really quickly. We're doing seven cities in Australia and New Zealand this year. We're going to be in Perth and Brisbane and Sydney and Adelaide and Melbourne twice. And then we're going over to Auckland as well. So a bunch of cities over there. Uh, lessisnow.com or just go to theminimalists.com. You can find yeah. all of our tour dates there. But but I'm not selling you anything. Greta, we'll, we'll uh, give you a couple tickets. We'll have Sean reach out to you and get you some tickets while there are still a few remaining for that event. All right, our next question is from Ryan, not the Ryan in front of me, (laughs) but a Ryan on the phone in Connecticut. From the age of 15 to about 21, I became quite the workaholic because I was a very poor, poor young kid, and I said, no, I'm just going to keep working, work, 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 until until I'm not broke anymore. And then waking up as a 21-year-old, I'm 21 now, I have about $50,000 in the bank. I have no debt. But the negative side is I almost forgot what it's like to be able to not be a workaholic, to not be at work constantly, because I've been doing it for so many years, over 25% of my life. So how do I get away from being such a workaholic and getting back into finding the things that I love. I know a few things that I definitely couldn't do without on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I love going right, going running, hiking. I love craft beers with my dad. But um, anything over about 48 hours of not working, I feel like that tick to go back to work. Josh, it's pretty simple, man. He's got 50 grand in the bank. <laughs> he should go buy a Corvette. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that'll will that pay. Uh, that's a good down payment. No, no, no. I think you can actually. I think a Corvette is exactly like it's right at fifty thousand bucks. If not, you can probably get the previous year's model. Exactly. Yeah, and they all right. Next question. Money. All right. <laughs> no, man. I, here, here, Ryan, don't go do that. Yeah, please don't. Um, actually, congratulations. You have a really good problem on your I, hands. Twenty-one years old. He's twenty-one years old. So, so here, here's what he has. 
He has no debt, right? Oh, wow. Congratulations. You have $50,000 in the bank as a, uh, a really bulked up emergency fund. I assume you're also saving for retirement. Bravo. But you do have, you, just because you have a good problem doesn't mean that it's not a problem. You have a great problem here. And, and here's, here's the first thing that, that I'll say. I, first, I want to say is, let's talk about, we, we talked about what you, what you do have. You have a great work ethic. You have 50,000 in the bank. You have no debt, but you're also. Great discipline. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about what you don't have. You don't have a lot of time. You are time poor right now mm. because you're a workaholic and, and you also have few responsibilities, which is a good thing. So you don't have, it doesn't sound to me like you have a wife and kids. It doesn't sound to me like you have a bunch of people who are, uh, you're, you're responsible for. You're probably not leading thousands of people, and so you don't have that that burden on your shoulders. And so this this, this sort of obstacle is a self-built obstacle, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't some obstacle that society or someone else has put in front of him. Although, here's the weird thing. We, we have this duality with work. We, in American culture in particular, uh, but Western culture in general, we often we, we praise people who are the workaholics. You work, oh, work, 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 work. Like you. That's what it was at. like in our in our culture, man. For sure. We. I mean, like it, it. Like you and I were always trying to be like the first one in, the last one out. Yeah. Yeah. But if I flip that on on its head for a second, think about this, Ryan. Uh, we also demonize work at the same time. At the same time, so it's mm. like this weird. It's this weird dichotomy because, well, he, what he's saying is, I really work too much. And maybe that's true, but we don't hear people say, you know, I just spend too much time with my family. Mm. But it's true. There are some people who probably spend too much time with their family. Yeah. And, it, and it, it actually decreases the quality of the time. Mm. And I would argue that the same thing with your work. Ryan, if you and I were to work 100 hours a week, every single week, do nothing but work, podcasting and live streaming and blogging, and the quality of what we were doing, we'd get out a lot of content. Mm. We'd, we, we'd be like the paragon of content generation. But we we wouldn't be doing anything. Well, uh, we would the 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 ratio of meaningful content, mm-hmm. meaningful creations within that content mm-hmm. would be so low that that we'd want to avoid that. And right. so here's what I'll say: is it, the problem isn't it isn't work necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. I think people get great meaning from their work. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people do at least. And if, in fact, so so. Maybe the problem is not finding meaning in what you're doing, right? And so, um, the the other the other problem that I see in my own life, and so I'll project this onto Ryan from Connecticut here, is you like working a lot because it's the easiest thing to be in control of, right? I mean, I, I don't know um, about how, Ryan. You're a lot more balanced than I am for sure. But uh, so yesterday we spent the day in Santa Monica. We were like at the fair doing Christmassy stuff and. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we were on like the Ferris wheel and Elle's were on the roller coaster and it was 56 degrees, but she wanted to get in the ocean. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And anyway, so kids like, have like no, <laughs> no, 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 they have no, they have like concept. no pain receptors, no concept of what cold is. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so uh, we're out there and I, I realized that um, while we're out there, like, man, this is, I, I don't have control of the situation. Like, cause Ella is a four year old mm-hmm. and, 
and you tell her to do something, unless I were to, you know, physically force her to do something, right. I couldn't get her to eat the snack that she was crying about five minutes ago. I'm, oh. I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And we go find a, buy an overpriced kind bar at some little shop there. Mm-hmm. And then she refuses to eat it. It's not the kind that I want. Oh. And, and, and I don't have control over that, yeah. right? Like, I want to. I don't just eat the damn kind bar. Like, what, <laughs> right. what's, what's your deal? You just asked for this. And so, like, it's easier for me to just be like, okay, put my hands up. And say, I'm going to get back to work, get my computer screen in front of me. Right. I'm, I'm fully in control of that. Mm. But my point is sometimes the more meaningful experiences, especially in retrospect, are the experiences we don't have full control over. It's the collaboration. It's the interaction. It's the conversations. And some of that can come through the medium of work, of vocation. But some, some of it has to come from outside of the work as well. And one other thing you don't have, Ryan from Connecticut, you don't have time to go running or hiking or have craft beers with your dad. And it sounds to me like you need more balance. And so Ryan is the, the balanced half of the <laughs> duo. What do, you, what do you think? Well, when I heard Ryan's, uh, Ryan's question, what I heard him saying or heard him asking was, is how what, what do I do now that I have mastered uh, the work that I, that that I put in front of me. So, Mm -hmm. um, what happened is Ryan set out this, this goal to be debt free, to have a decent savings and to do that. He had to work a lot. Sure. And he might've even have found, I, I know for me, I certainly did when I first, um, started, you know, managing retail stores, there was, um, way, way more joy than there was pain with it because it was new it was exciting. I was learning something new. And, and I think a lot of people, they will have that when they start a new job. Um, once we do it for 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, week in and week out, it becomes, we, routine. It becomes routine. And we become a master at that particular task. Right. And the problem with mastering something, it's, it's great because we have learned this skill or been able to uh, learn how to operate in a certain environment. But then our brain wants to master something else. For sure. I mean, I think about our own work. When we started the theminimalists.com seven years ago, it was blogging. And that was it. Yeah. And, and while I can't say that we fully mastered it, like we, we got to a point where it felt like you know, we were, uh, we were with, within that realm of mastery. Well, and when I say mastering, you know, it's to, to each person's individual skill set, right? Right, right. So and, for, our, for our skill set, I feel like we've... You know, we've mastered blogging. I mean, we are not Seth Godin by any stretch. No. We are not Leo Babauta. Um, but for what we have, um, you know, been able to do for ourselves uh, with the particular skills that we have, I feel like, you know, we, we have mastered as, not as much as we've been able to, but, um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine how much more we can master it from here. Right. And so so it was like, oh, how, how do we challenge ourselves in a different way? And, right. and that meant longer form and, and moving on to books or going out and doing public speaking, which was terrifying mm-hmm. at first. And now here's a weird thing. I was just thinking about this morning. I was walking over to Matt's house and I realized that I, I get more anxiety about coming into the in-studio episodes than I do live events now because we've done fewer of these over the past three or four months. Yeah. So... Going to a live event in front of a thousand people in a theater is less anxiety producing than just coming over here to I record the, this. I feel the same way. I know why it is for me. It's the mastery thing, though. Oh. It's like it's like oh, you've been doing this, and you and and the first time we, I remember the first time you gave 
uh, a speech in front of a large crowd of people when we were in New York City. <laughs> oh, don't. Why are you bringing that up? <laughs> that was my worst. Dude, the, oh, that was the worst talk ever. <laughs> I forgot half the talk. <sighs> everyone, everyone who was important. There has never been an event where we had that many important people there. Like all the press. The all media the press. Was there. Every single. Oh, my God. It was dude. 2013. And uh, yeah, there, there was a talk that you had to give. My part was easy. I was just reading from the new book we had coming out. I remember when I, fr- I like when I just went blank and yeah. I looked at you and I'm like, "Help!" And you just looked at me like, "I don't know what you want me to do right now." Too. <laughs> <laughs> the, the funny thing is now, after doing hundreds, of, literally hundreds of of, of speaking gigs uh, and, and tour stops we've you could look at me now and we could totally bail each other out now yeah. because that dynamic it's that mastery thing that you're talking about but going to that first one you're going to choke but that's part of like that's where the fear and excitement comes in is is, is you're getting better and better and better until where you get to a point where you start to plateau mm-hmm. and then you can move on to the next thing and so maybe the the thing right now with with, with the workahol workaholism yeah, yeah. Uh, workaholism is that Ryan, I, I want you to not um, celebrate the crazy type A hundred hour a week lifestyle, but I also don't want you to demonize it. Right. That's where I was trying to go with that earlier discussion. I want you to find meaning in your work. And so the problem isn't the work. The problem is is finding the appropriate amount of meaning in our work and growth and the ability to contribute to other people through that work. He did say that, if he he said if I work less than forty eight hours, no, no, no. He said if I if I if I stop working for more than forty eight hours, I feel the oh, itch to go back. Oh, oh, that's what it was. Oh, okay. I thought he had a number on it. But but to your point, I was just uh, saying find that number, whatever that number is. And and what I was what I was getting at. Let's say the number is forty eight hours. Just going with that number. Um, you know that that's and there isn't a wrong number there. Meaning. You know, Josh, you and I, we talk a lot about, oh, we work 60, 70, sometimes 80-hour work weeks. Mm-hmm. It was miserable. Um, it, it, it was it was too much work. Sure. But um, there are weeks now where we might put in 60 hours. Yeah, or more. I mean, when, when we were... Sure. And, and, and that's... And also... I think I think the re- the reason that's more palatable for me is I see the light at the end of the tunnel. There there is an objective there, and it's not sustainable to do that every single week. Like <laughs> it's it's a temporary thing. Like we know it's a temporary thing. That that that's true, and and, yeah. and so we know it's temporary because we see that light at the end of the tunnel, right? And we know it's not a train. It, it is. It it's like this outcome, right? And so for us, and and sometimes we overstretch it. I mean, I just wrote that whole long apology right. uh, essay about the need to say no. Sometimes sometimes you overstretch it, and and so if you're a workaholic. I just say find more meaning in the work you love doing them. And, and, and right now that's, he's a, it's a liability, right? Being a yeah. worker, turn that into an asset. Like you want to work really hard, work hard on the right things and you'll feel great about well, it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, just, just stick, sticking with that example of like he, he has, he has mastered uh, this work, find something else to master. So that doesn't mean you have to leave your job, but you know, figure out uh, how many hours you want to work in a week um, schedule your your work around that, and what else can you can you do with the the time that you freed up? So maybe it is uh, maybe it's yoga. Like I don't know if Ryan's in yoga or not. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. So yes, so pick one of those things, just one. 
Um, that's right. I forgot he totally did give us examples. Yeah. So just pick one of those things. So let's say it is hiking. Great. I think Find you can do all hour. three of those at the same time. Craft beer with dad while they're running on hiking trails. <laughs> you just like put craft beer in a camel pack. You're a genius. He's a workaholic. I mean, he's a type A guy. That's Come right. On, that's get right. It done. But yeah, but also I will say uh, don't don't pressure yourself to do all of it at once. Just pick the thing that you feel like uh, you're going to enjoy the most mastering and, and start. If you can give it an hour a week. Great. Um, I had someone, uh, you remember the, the, the person at, at the live event who was talking about how they wanted to contribute more, but they had only like an hour a week. Yeah. And I was like, well, they contribute an hour a week. Like that's better than nothing. Right, right. And, and we trick ourselves saying, well, if I can do only an hour, I might as well do nothing. And that if is I, if a, I can't do 10 hours, attitude. I'm going to do zero. Right. It makes no sense. It's not binary. Right. It, it, it is, there, there's this whole spectrum of contribution or work or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes there are seasons. You'll have to work more. You'll have to work less. Hopefully that work is meaningful for you and you make time, schedule time for those those outside of work activities, that your other values, let's call them. Uh, I'd love to send Ryan a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It was it really is the story of our transition from some fairly banal work, right? I already have that book, Josh. <laughs> no, 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 other Ryan. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> from Connecticut. Did you read it? <laughs> yes. It's on my, Several it's on t- my to-do t- shelf. It's on my to-do list, yeah. Um, it's on my someday list. <laughs> Um, it's, it's this, uh, transition. We, we, you know, we worked in the corporate world for a dozen years, this fairly banal, uh, work and, and transitioning into much more meaningful work. There's 12 chapters in there about this journey from the suit and tie corporate guys to becoming the minimalist. Ryan, I think you'll find some value in that book. Sean, if you can reach out to him, give him the audio book version or uh, the book book version or the ebook version, whatever he wants. All right. We'd love to hear what y'all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about the new year, including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at the minimalists.com. That's my favorite part of the show. We air our favorite comments and tips at the end of the show. All right, Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed, we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists. Uh, During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. Whoa, 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 I, we got 280 now. No, no, no. Well, let's, let's try to keep it to 140 if we Whatever, can. Whatever, minimalist. You're always trying to one-up me. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose we could do it in 280 if we really want to. All right. Uh, we also put the text to these minimal maxims uh, in the show notes, so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you like. And you can now find all of our quotes in one place over at minimalmaxims.com. Sometimes I just go to that website and just read all of my own pithy answers. <laughs> you know what's funny? <laughs> and I'm like, Ryan, you're so smart and pithy. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine you like looking in the mirror and it says pithy and lipstick. <laughs> uh, no, and the, funny, the funniest thing is I, I will see people tweet us occasionally, give me a pithy answer, P-I-F-F-Y. <laughs> I'm like, piffy? I'm like, what's a piffy answer? Oh, um, that's my favorite peanut butter. <laughs> it's all the brand. <laughs> piffy. We did grow up poor. Man, <laughs> give me those piffy sandwiches. Give me some of the <laughs> piffy. Um, no, I, I, the, uh, the funny thing is, like, I'll go back and look at some of these. The I know you're joking about going back and look at minimalmaxims.com and looking at but Jessica, the one, the gal who manages the the pithy answers, she does a really good job of like tweezing out something that it, that we say that is profound amongst a a sea of 
of of nonsense. Yes, and then she edited edits it for us. Yeah, yeah, and and it looks like wow, that that is like a some sort of you know, Zen Cohen or something. Anyway, Ryan. All right, our first lightning round question is from Virginia. Virginia writes in, "How do you inspire yourselves to keep in your minimalist way year after year?" Well, I'll give you my pithy answer, and I'll try to unpack it a little bit. We needn't wait for the new year to find a resolution. And so now is, is the time that everyone is clamoring for a resolution. But it, it, and of course, what is it? 90% of resolutions are done by February. Like, like they, they, people have just given up. And it's because we put these, these lofty, mm. lofty uh, goals, objectives, uh, this picture of ourselves. And sometimes that can be helpful, but sometimes that can be stifling. Yeah. And, and that can prevent us from taking action because... Mm. Uh, we have this affinity for perfectionism, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, in order for me to for, for my life to be perfect this year, I have to accomplish all of this, and then it's that thing we were just talking about a moment ago. And so it's all or nothing, and so I'm either going to be on this perfect fast mimicking keto diet, or I'm going to eat 17 ice cream sandwiches right before bed. Mm, ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, Chris D'Elia, one of our favorite comics, but certainly one of my favorite comics. Yeah, he, he's hilarious. He uh, he has this whole bit on his podcast. You should find the video. Sean, if you can put a, a link. Actually, no, you can't put a link. It's totally inappropriate to put into our show notes. But if someone that. Su- <laughs> searches it on, on YouTube, he has this whole thing about portion sizes and eating a bunch of ice cream sandwiches. But yeah, so so don't wait for the new year to find a resolution. And also, you don't, your resolutions don't have to be gigantic. They no. can be one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, here's my pithy answer. Minimalism isn't inspiring. Living a meaningful life is. Mm. And... You know, that's, that's I guess, really, uh, that's kind of all I'm trying to say. I, I, I mean, to unpack it, I guess I would just say that it's it's not about it's not about looking at minimalism and, and, and getting excited about minimalism, getting excited about decluttering. Sure, those things can certainly be exciting in the beginning, um, but ultimately, minimalism isn't exciting it is it is it is it is a tool that i use to help me live a meaningful life living a meaningful life that is what is exciting and ultimately that is what gives me the leverage that is what inspires me to continue living this lifestyle the the word used there is tool like i went to go buy drill bits the other day because i'm doing a a frontal lobotomy on ella (laughs) what (laughs) it's fine i read about it in this old frontal you you know the 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 the, um what's the what's the opposite of frontal that's the way you do it josh (laughs) you gotta go through the back oh oops i thought that was the 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 frontal lobe the lobotomy well go through the back of the lobe she's still healing so we'll see how that goes no i had but here's the thing I, i bought these tools and like I can understand. Like, I know some guys who like really ha- are into their. I mean, we've talked to plenty of them. Oh yeah. I really into my tool collection, but if it's just a tool collection for the sake of being a collection, then it's you're you're hoarding junk, right? And and so th- you could do the same thing with minimalism, where you fetishize the the act of 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 letting go without using it as a tool. Like, oh, I really like this hammer. I really like this drill. I really mm. like this chainsaw. And the question is, how are you going to use that? Right. Well, hopefully you use it to live a more meaningful life. And yeah. that's what is inspiring. Absolutely. Our next question is from Nick. How do you handle taking a leap of faith into something creative in a new year when you have no idea where it's going to go or how viable it is? So the pithy answer that I have, and then hopefully I'll be able to, to break this down here. 
the direction is more powerful than the destination. So I, I, I also wrote down this quote from one of my favorite guys uh, on Twitter. His name is TK Coleman. Uh, he said, dreams don't come true, decisions do. Oh, amen. That's good, man. And so, so it's really about making a decision. And so how do you handle taking a, a leap of faith? You have to make the decision to actually do it. You have to make the damn decision as opposed to just dreaming about whatever it is that, that you want to accomplish. And whether it's in the new year or the new month or this week or today, the decisions or we're gonna, or what, what's going to make your dream come true, not, not just the dream itself. And so uh, the only other thing I'll ask for Nick or anyone else who, who is struggling with this is how do you think something great happens? It's always one day at a time. If you write a book, it's one word at a time. It's one page at a time. And mm. it, it's one small step at a time. It's not just always that gigantic leap. It may seem like a leap in retrospect. You, you, you wrote this book, you went on this tour, you um, finished this art project, you opened a yoga studio, you got a new job as a cashier at the, at, at the grocery store down the street. It may seem like a, a giant leap, but there are a bunch of steps that got you there in time. Yeah, absolutely, man. My pithy answer is, is this, Nick. An entrepreneur's first step requires bravery. And then I got a little parenthetical here and, and a little stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, being willing to be stupid almost, right? right? I was just, I was listening to another podcast and they, uh, they were talking about how they gave these four groups of people, um, a group of lawyers, a group of CEOs, a group of kindergartners, and a group of uh, recent business uh, MBA graduates, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so they, they just graduated with their, their business degree. They gave them like 27 pieces of, I don't know the exact numbers here, but I think it was 27 pieces of string spaghetti hardened and um, one marshmallow, uh, a, a yard of yarn. Okay. And with those, they had to build the tallest structure possible. Okay. And the group that won were the kindergartners. Get out. They, the second was the CEOs. Because they have real life experience. Oh wow! And third were the the lawyers. Fourth were the recent business MBA graduates because they became so analytical in what they were doing, and they they're afraid of being judged. The kindergartners like just try this, now try this, now try this. It doesn't matter the judgment. Uh, just try, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. It's that little bit of stupidity you're talking about there. Be, you're going to build the tallest structure if you're willing to be wrong from time to time. Yeah, I love that man. But no, it's it's uh, it is absolutely the hardest part I think for any entrepreneur. I mean, when I think about uh, the steps that we've taken, whether it was starting the website, whether it was publishing a book, whether it was it was saying yes to the documentary. I mean, every single time, man, it's like we have an idea of how we want something to be. We plan ahead as much as, uh, as possible, right? But ultimately, like taking those first steps and, and getting it going without knowing how the, the end result is going to be is certainly the hardest part. Yeah, and, and also being, I mean, so maybe it's not even stupidity. It's sometimes it's just ignorance. Like, right. had I known how many minimalist bloggers there were out in the world in 2010 when we started it, like I knew of four, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and then, of course, there were 
dozens, if not hundreds of others. And now when, when you think of minimalism and blogging, you're going to think of us and a couple other people, basically. Right. And, and that's because had I known there were a thousand other people blogging about minimalism, I would have just given up and been like, well, that's it's an oversaturated space, right? And mm-hmm. and and um, well, what, do, what do I have that's unique? I would start beating myself up instead of being the kindergartner and saying, hey, let me build this thing really tall. Yeah. And we went into it as kindergartners. In fact, our friend Colin Wright talks about living a life um, as as both a grad student and a kindergartner at the same time, approaching things w- with with both attitudes. Like the grad student is going to get incremental growth and, and try to continue f- to further his or her education. Mm-hmm. The kindergartner is starting all over and learning everything brand new. Yeah. And that's the reason that he travels so much. Is he, he's like, I want to, I just want to absorb everything brand new. I want to pretend I'm a kindergartner when I move to a new country. And so I think you can do that. You can be the kindergartner of of your own destiny. That's pithy-ish <laughs> that is pithy-ish that's good man <laughs> no I, you know it's funny my my mom um she's i i've talked about how she wants to be a comedian and she's done done like a couple open mic nights right and uh there was one night where she was like oh you know it was okay like i didn't get you know it was actually it was, i think it was her first show it was okay i got a couple laughs that was good and and i'm like mom i'm like congratulations like you you took the 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 hardest step which was getting up in front of a crowd of people and if you feel like you failed that's great yeah like now you have that experience of failing right and if you fail again it's not going to be nearly as difficult right. the next time and those failures make you get better at what you're doing yes and and i also um you know explained to her like even if you fail if there's one person even though even if you did get one laugh if there's one person that that you get a laugh out of like that, that in its own is still a, su- a success. Right. And uh, the the next show we did, there was, I mean, she just kind of got up there and rambled a little bit and um, wasn't a whole lot of laughter. Right. But this girl came up to her afterwards and was like, thank you so much for getting, I mean, just like poured her heart out, like oh, wow. thanking my mom. And when we left, my mom looked at me and she was like, just one person, right? And I'm like, yeah, just one person, mom. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. again, it wasn't the best set ever, but it was, she got more experience from it and was still able to take away something from it. Yeah, it was, it was improving. Hey, can you think of any, because I, I, I put you on blast with, with your New Do York it. incident. I already did. Oh. Hey, can you think of any failures that uh, within the last seven years since starting The Minimalist that I've messed up on in oh. respect to The Minimalist? Um. Um, 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 um. Hold on to that for a second. No, you're pretty, you're pretty perfect, Josh. Yeah, right. well, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, so, so think about that for a second. Um, we also we have a couple bonus uh, overtime questions for our Patreon supporters. We do something each week called the Minimalists Private Podcast, and so we're gonna answer these two questions when we get over to that that overtime podcast. Lisa asks, with a big change coming up. We're expecting a newborn. How do I keep my minimalist philosophy strong amidst the chaos of change? And then Suzu asks, how do we inspire our family members to join us on the road to shedding old stuff, including old detrimental habits without them thinking it's just a fad? I also don't want them to feel like they would be giving up too much. So we'll be answering both of those questions over on our Patreon feed this week. You can join us over there at theminimalists.com slash support. Uh, we also do a bunch of other cool stuff for our Patreon supporters because this podcast is 100% advertisement free thanks to you. And so we do that private podcast. By the way, it shows up in your regular podcast feed. We're also going to be putting some of our live events from this past year 
in the Patreon feed exclusively for our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support if you are a supporter. Yep. All right. I did think before we move on to this uh, bonus episode for our, our, our patrons, um, I did think of something. The the biggest, I don't, it wasn't a failure because we learned a lot from it, but um, going, uh, doing uh, the documentary in movie theaters yeah. was like, that's one of the, it was just not the best decision we've ever made. Yeah, I mean, I, in fact, it's funny. and it's all hindsight. Like we didn't know that going into it. I, I think I think that's a really good point. We, we we sat down with Dan Harris recently. We're out in New York. Uh, in fact, he's going to be on this podcast later this month. Um, He'll be our first like guest, kind of. Yeah, I mean, uh, in in studio guest. In studio yeah, guest. We're yeah. not going to interview him though, so because we don't we don't do interviews, yeah. but. Uh, We'll just sit down and, and have a conversation. Hopefully, if, if you have some questions for him, you can you can call us up, leave us a, a question, and we'll have Dan answer a few of those questions yeah. live on the air. But he sat down with us, and he's working on some documentary, and he's like, can you tell us lessons that you've learned? And it was almost like all things I wouldn't do again. Like, you learn so right. much about what to do right. from the stuff that you failed on. So like You were joking earlier about, hey, Ryan, tell... Uh, tell Greta what not to do uh, so she can, but, but that's exactly what we did with Dan though. We literally did. Yeah, here, the best lessons I can give you are things that we wouldn't do again. Right. Ha- could I have done it over? And yeah, our documentary was a huge success and I'm doing that in air quotes in theaters. Mm-hmm. It was the number one independent uh, documentary theatrical release uh, o- opening of 2016 and that is an impressive stat by its own until you realize that the amount of effort that went into making that happen mm-hmm. would have just been much better spent on getting it out in front of the public sooner and um, right. it was it was nice that we had that sort of accolade but you and I don't live for the accolades right. um, and 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 the validation of well I want to thank the academy or whatever right. um, and the, the real validation comes from people getting value from the message mm-hmm. and if 50,000 people salt in theaters you know, it, then it's you know millions and millions of people who have seen the documentary online mm-hmm. wouldn't you have rather just had it come out online sooner and, and uh, especially with the the amount of effort and so you see that and you look at it and it was a type of failure even in its success was a type of failure mm-hmm. and of course all the other stuff we did we submitted to I just hate that word even, submit. I know. Uh, we submitted to like 100 film festivals, most of which uh, denied us. Yeah. All of the big ones said no, no, yeah. no, no, thank you. Uh, and then we got into some mid-level or small film festivals. And what that tells me is that, you know what? Like I, I wouldn't do that again. It wasn't, it wasn't worth the amount of work that went into that. It's right. honestly kind of a racket. They charge you 50 or 75 bucks to yeah. submit to their film festival yeah do we yeah we spent a lot of money and i mean was there anything we could say that oh we're really glad we we're really, we're really glad our, our film show uh you know showed at this one particular film festival because that created this relationship with i mean no. i can't even think of anything no you know? no not at all man now it's not to say that it wasn't worth trying it was worth trying we got some laurels yeah, we, we did. That was about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was really nice. <laughs> oh, good grief. I said laurels. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were really they nice. They were really nice. <laughs> okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each recommend or actually just talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan? Um, man, so I used to wear American Apparel shirts. They went out of business. You can still buy them in bulk. 
but they don't fit me right anymore. I don't know what happened. So, uh, I went to a place called Son of a Tailor, and it is, it's unbelievable, dude. There are, like, I... I, I have never recommended a black t-shirt until today. <laughs> and use promo code Nicodemus. No, there's no promo code. I wish because they're kind of expensive. And that's actually the thing. Um, they are expensive. So when I say expensive, um, if you order two t-shirts, you're going to probably pay like 50 bucks a piece, maybe 60 bucks a piece. But here's the thing is like you you send in your measurements and they they tailor a t-shirt specifically for you and which is what you need because your your biceps are so big that's right exactly <laughs> I, have a, I have this picture of you with with my mom like <laughs> rubbing lotion that, on me no no, oh. no that, that's a different picture right oh. let's not talk about that one <laughs> my, mo- story. my right. mom's hey, like what? wearing uh you know uh like a a turban or something on her head and because she you know, she was going through chemo and yeah stuff. and uh uh, you had you were you had one arm around her like you know the side hug to yeah. throw a photo and you were wearing you. <laughs> what you, you took the <laughs> what? Speaking of organizing, you you flew down to Florida to visit my me and my mom. Remember this is two thousand nine. Yes. yes. Um, and uh, you forgot to pack any t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> And so you went to dude. Like, I was just in like emergency mode, man. You went, you went to this uh, surf shop, and you just bought like all the graphic tees they had. <laughs> and so I've got this, I've got this picture of you with your arm around my mom, and your short corporate haircut, yeah. and you look kind of buff, and like you, you have uh, on the shirt it has weapons of mass destruction, and it just has arrows. <laughs> with the arrows pointing at my biceps. Yes, and uh, I have this other one. You fell asleep on a couch at at a coffee shop down there. Yeah, you're wearing this. Yeah, you're wearing this shirt that uh, with a camel on it. It just has one a hump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, those were the times. Oh, the V twenty seven. No, so no, so son of a uh, son of a tailor. It is. it, it is exp- the more like basically if you buy 10 t-shirts then you pay way less because like right. if they're gonna make more for you they're gonna char- they're gonna charge you less so I, I always feel bad when I like recommend something that costs uh, a little bit of money although this isn't like you know the the end of the world but uh it's such a good thing it's like if you can afford it you don't have to put it on a credit card it's totally worth it yeah I I agree or if you can find a shirt that fits you well without going through that um, I got the shirt I'm wearing right now on eBay. Yeah, um, that's another option. So there are plenty of options Dude, out there. It, you know, my problem is, is I have such a weird body shape. Yeah, yeah you super like, broad shoulders, super broad shoulders, big chest. It's like it's a very odd. It's a very odd. Ryan hasn't body found shape. a late a weight that he can't lift. That's right. I just lift all the weights. <laughs> anyway, uh, my added value is there's an album I've been playing out, and and I don't think it's a good thing, but Ella sings along to it quite a bit. It's uh, the new album from Belly called Mumble Rap. She sings along to Belly? <laughs> yeah, don't, don't tell Bax. Oh my God. No, I'm just kidding. Bax is totally... Bax is playing it in the car and it's that's the reason Ella knows. Um, yeah, some of the songs. Anyway, um, one of my favorite albums of, of the year. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Belly. It's called Mumble Rap, although it's not Mumble Rap at all. It's In fact, it's the opposite of whatever the... No, the it's current. like making... It's like... I'm I'm assuming it's probably like making it's satire, like the yeah the the title itself is like hey we, this is the climate we're in so I'm just gonna call it this and it's obviously not mumble rap right. yeah it's uh, it's a great album really well produced 
uh, one of my favorite albums of the year. All right, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Speaking of, of favorite albums of the year, if you head on over to theminimalists.com slash sound, uh, each year I put out a list of my favorite 10, 12, 8, whatever the, the list is, albums of uh, 2017. Ryan, did you have any favorite albums that really stood out to you? Oh, man. I think I know your favorite, and it's in my top five. I'm um, fairly certain. Man, I'm like drawing a blank right now because there's so many. There was there was Andrew Bell's, which was great. That's my that's number two on my list. Uh, the Killers. I love that new album. That's an honorable mention on my list. Um, the uh, Canyon City album is great. That is number one on my list. The uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, I, I like Jay Z's album that came out. I liked that's number eight on my list. Jay Z Eminem's new album just came out. It was it, it's actually grown on me a little bit. It's honorable mention for me. It's unbelievable. Like I, when I when I listened to Eminem's first that whole album through, I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? I'm like, this is just like I understand he's having fun. He's doing what he loves. But I was thinking like, if I was an artist at that point, I would just produce stuff i would never like promote it like i would just put it online like i wanted i wanted the 444 of yes uh, of eminem I, I, yeah because jay-z made what i think is jay-z's best or second best album yeah in, in 444 I was and it's his most mature for sure yeah i was expecting the same thing but what i will say is that listening to it a couple times um, it actually is. It does go. I feel like it does dive. It does dive pretty deep. Um, yeah, he has a song called "Bad Husband" on there that is. Yeah. I mean, about how he really. I mean, it's the opposite of how he used to. You know, he used to kill his ex-wife in songs. Right. Uh, what two decades ago or whatever it was. Right. But now he's like two decades ago. It's so funny. Dude. Yeah, but now he's admitting to like being a bad husband and right. and and it's also this sort of cultural critique of, well, yeah. Uh, we often are bad husbands with good fathers and we like we say that that's a good thing but no that, that doesn't that doesn't abdicate us for the mistakes and and bad decisions that we made right. during our our marriage if we weren't there for our partner so what did you think my number one album was Khalid oh which is number five on my list I, American teen I did not even realize that was that was uh this that was this year. I thought that was the end of last year. Nope, that was uh, toward the beginning of this year. Definitely one of my favorite albums. You can check out yeah. my whole list, top ten this year. You can find all my past year's lists since I've been doing this. I think since 2011, mm. and a bunch of honorable mentions uh, this year as well. Uh, honestly, Ryan, I think 2017 was the best year for music in, in a long, long time. Yeah, in, the, in at least since 2013, but maybe even even farther back for me. Yeah. It was a great, great year for, for music. So you can check that out. That's going on in the lives of the minimalists. What else we got going on here, Ryan? I, I don't have... know, man. But, but you're right, though. Khalid would be my favorite album. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I knew because like, you were playing that album hard when I it first st came I out still, i still i still listen to it dude it's um, so good so since we've been uh back in studio there since we're back in studio now we've been on the road there are a bunch of new essays over at theminimalists.com so while you're over there checking out that list of my favorite albums you can find a bunch of new writings from The Minimalists. Uh, you can find that essay, essay I did about the apology and the need to say no. It's called An Apology and the Need to Say No. Basically, just go over to theminimalists.com. You can scroll, scroll through all the archi archives over there. 
another recent one was about Black Friday called Let's Talk About Black Friday. You had some thoughts about the holiday shopping season. You had a video that we made um, uh, about the the bag that we produced, the the packed bag. You can check that out. It's everything that I pack whenever I'm on the road, whether it's a year or a, a month or a day. Uh, you can see everything that I pack for that. A couple of my favorite essays recently, there was one I wrote called Have to Get To, and it talks about waking up at 4.30 in the morning on a Thursday and, and the framing of that day. There was another essay called Redefining Better, um, where a, at a recent event, a tiny house enthusiast uh, came up to me and asked me about the size of my house. And uh, I, told her, <laughs> I told her... was a, What would Freud say about that? <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just read the first uh, paragraph from that, uh, that essay. Um, at a recent event, a tiny house enthusiast asked me about the size of my home. When I told her it's probably around 1,000 square feet, her response was, you could do better. <laughs> and and then so I sort of asked myself that question throughout the essay. I said, really, could my family and I, in fact, do better? Depends what you mean by better. And then right, I go right, into like, how do we redefine what better means? Because smaller doesn't mean better. Less doesn't necessarily mean better. Fewer doesn't necessarily mean better. What does better mean? How do we, how do we redefine that? There's an essay on there called... Um, Las Vegas and other ways to contribute. We talk about some of the ways that the minimalists have been able to contribute to charitable causes this year. We had a good question um, uh, about conspicuous consumption that uh, wrote a long essay on about that. What else we have here? Oh, you can find all of our old podcasts on here as well. And then, oh, there was one other one that was really good. Oh, there's the three free minimalist wallpapers. You can find those on there for your phone or your computer. Those are all free. And, oh, special kind of freedom. This was one of my favorite essays I've written in, in a while. So um, you can find that one there as well. So a bunch of those. And if you want all of those to show up in your inbox, whenever we publish a new essay or the notes to the podcast, you can just sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. Of course, we'll never ever send you spam because that stuff's disgusting. Oh, um, experiment. So it's January now. It's not when we're recording this. We're recording this like December 21st, but uh, it's January now, Yes, and uh, we are off social media for the month of January, Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think we're going to learn a lot of lessons this month, taking a month off, and uh, find a way to repurpose, reuse, refocus our efforts on social media in a way that isn't just posting everything in triplicate. Well, let's put that on Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter and Put this picture there, an announcement here. No, we want to use these platforms effectively, differently. We want to be more intentional. Yeah, we want to be able to be communicative and expressive and, and, and let these be an extension of the minimalists without just being this broadcasting promo machine. And I talked about this in the apology essay that I wrote. I was like, man, I felt like I even saw it in my own work where it was... Uh, I was becoming too promo heavy. Well, I mean, we try to keep our audience informed, right? And I think I think you can do that, and that's why, like, we t we do this right here, right now segment. Well, the problem is, is like some people don't listen to the podcast, some people uh, don't look at social media, some people don't look at the the blog. So, you know, I feel like we have to mention everything on every single platform. But it, to your point, though, it's 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 uh, become to our detriment. Yeah, and and so. We have to be, we, I think what we're going to learn throughout part of this, and to what degree I'm not sure, we have to be okay with the, you know, it's the fear of missing out. Like, right. Well, not everyone's going to hear about it. No, of course not. No. Nope. 99% okay. of the world doesn't know 
who the minimalists are, and that's mm-hmm. okay, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people without an internet connection who are never going to hear about us, right. and that's okay. And so we're not going to beat you over the head with stuff. We'll do a segment like right here, right now, where we can talk about what's going on in our lives. We can talk about if we have an event or something going on, but we're not going to beat you over the head with with the stuff we, we have going on. Um, so we're going to learn a lesson. We'll probably post an essay, almost certainly we'll write an essay about what the non-social media experience uh, brought about what 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 did it birth in, in terms of how we're going to use social media differently starting in February so stay tuned for that um, and be on our email list and, and you'll be the first to, to read that also we're headed to I already mentioned this we're headed to Australia in March you can get your tickets over at the minimalists.com uh, we have two more stops in uh, the United States one is in Vegas so we ended the less is now tour um, Last year. I'm like trying to rack my brain for the second stop. Well, you, you we'll get there. Um, <laughs> so so we ended uh, the Lesson Now tour for 2017 in Milwaukee th- this year. And man, it was great. So we're doing, we did 42 <sighs> cities last year. We almost had to reschedule that, man. Yeah, that was yeah. so close. It was the very, very end. My like, goodness. We, we made it happen. Yeah. But um, so, so we... We have a charity event in Las Vegas because of the there was a tragedy that happened there, and we're we're donating 100 percent of the profits from that to the Las Vegas Victims Fund. Our friend Matt Diavella is going to be there with us from the Ground Up show. He'll be answering questions on stage with us, and then in February we're going to be in Los Angeles. We're filming two events. Oh, Ryan has the most puzzled. I'm like, I'm like, do we, do we, do we take on a, a speaking engagement? I'm not aware of. It. Yeah, dude, I totally, no, no, no. I so, totally forgot about the. So the, the minimalists filming. are filming a new documentary, and um, it's a follow up to our Netflix documentary, uh, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, and uh, we're filming a new documentary. It's called The Minimalists. Less is now, and and so Ryan, you and I have presented this Less is Now tour talk in front of dozens of audiences throughout uh, 2017 mm-hmm. and we're finally going to capture it on film we, we did so on a few stages matt helped us out with that but it, it wasn't the aesthetic we were looking for so we're going to capture it in this beautiful warehouse space in los angeles uh, you can find a picture of that space uh, over on our website it's the minimalists.com slash warehouse um, and we're inviting some folks to attend. We're actually doing two tapings. It's a 3 p.m. taping and a 7 p.m. taping. We just added. So 3 p.m. taping sold out in a few hours. And there are still a few tickets left for the 7 p.m. taping. By the time this comes out, my guess is there might be a few left. Uh, totally up to you if you want to participate in that. Uh, uh, just real quick, the new film that we're working on, it's uh, going to combine that in-depth talk that we give about minimalism with some sort of documentary style footage of our personal lives our journeys and our backstories i think it's uh where minimalism sort of the, the documentary minimalism scratched the the surface of our journeys uh, this new film is going to really dig deep into the events that led us towards simplifying our own lives so if you want to be part of the audience it's uh, february 10th 2018 it's in los angeles at electric pony studios you have to get your tickets in advance it's an all ages event it's about 90 minutes uh, it's our, our talk that we've given this last year. Uh, seats are limited to the first 300 people. So you just go to theminimalists.com and click on the uh, the tour page there. You can find the uh, the times and, and dates. We hope to see you out there. We're really looking forward to getting yeah. that on film. Oh, um, That is going to be awesome. A couple other things here. If you go to theminimalists.com slash simple year, it is a new year. Our friend Courtney Carver 
who just had a new book come out called Soulful Simplicity. We'll put a link to that in, in the show notes. But um, she also has this year-long course that we've participated in a few times, and it is open up once again. It's called A Simple Year during the month of January. It's a year-long 12 months of guided simplicity. Just go to theminimalists.com slash simple year if you want some. I don't think you need a course to simplify your life. But if you need a little help, a little guidance, uh, there's 12 different experts that guide you through the entire year each month. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a great it's a great accountability tool if you're looking for uh, an accountability partner. Yeah, exactly. And 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 people to not hold your hand. Well, sometimes it's holding your hand sure. through it. Sometimes they'll push you. They'll drag you kicking and screaming to <laughs> to simplicity. Uh, not not really, but uh, they will help you along the way. 12 different experts on 12 different topics. So it's tackling one topic per month. So that could be uh, decluttering. It can be holiday shopping, gift giving. Uh, that's the one that Ryan and I really dive deep on. Uh, that's our month. And then it could be travel. It could be minimalist family. And there, there are the, all of these different topics that you can dive into. All the information over at theminimalists.com slash simple year. And uh, oh, uh, speaking of... of resetting, resetting your year. Uh, my partner, Rebecca has a new, new course. It's a 23 day, uh, reset and it is over at minimalwellness.com. And I think there's only 30 seats available to that. So I don't know if there's any left, but if, if there are, you can find that she's also doing an automated version of that where you don't have to meet with her. If you just want to take the course online. All right. That's about it right now. We just have, uh, uh, we have additional bonus this week on Patreon for our Patreon supporters. We're going to post our Tampa event over there. And so we answered a, a bunch of questions at that Tampa event because we're back in studio. Now we're going to be doing a lot more studio episodes, uh, throughout this year. We're going to take some of those live events and put them in our exclusively in our Patreon feed over in that, the minimalists private podcast, which will show up in your regular podcast app, whatever you're listening to this on now, you just need that private link. So some of the questions we answer at that Tampa event, if I'm upside down on the mortgage on my house, should I pay more on it now? Or should I put the money in the bank and pay on requisite repairs right before I sell it? You know, it's interesting, Ryan. Like, I'd be interested to see how we answer these questions now versus live. Because sometimes that adrenaline really helps you give this right. great, beautiful <laughs> answer. I'm like, how did Ryan like just pull that answer right out of the thin air and and give? The, and then you answer it now, and I can have notes or whatever in front of me. My guess is I, the answers would be different. Because sometimes I go back and listen to those live events, and I'm just like. Man, I had the perfect answer four hours after the event. Right. When I was laying awake Isn't that in how bed. It always works. Yeah, it, it seems to be. But then there's sometimes that adrenaline like gives me the best possible answer. I'm like, oh my God, how, how did I how did I have that answer? Yeah. Um, some other questions we answer on that live Tampa podcast is gonna come out this Friday, by the way, on that Patreon feed. If I don't receive uh, support from my loved ones when I adopt new empowering habits and practices, what should I do? How do I address my partner's hoarding tendencies? How do I get everyone on board with minimalism in a multi-generational household? And how can I become more conscientious regarding my consumption of media, especially the media on the internet? So those are some of the questions we answer on this Friday's live episode. Also, we had our friends, Brother Cephas, who were on my top 10 list. They, uh, they opened up for us and they played a song on that podcast yep. as well. All right, Ryan, anything else in the right here, right now? Anything else going on in your life you want to talk about? Yeah, man, I got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hey, this is Elliot from Minneapolis. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment about this recent uh, Christmas and holiday season. 
you know, I was really worried about um, all the stuff and everything that comes with it. And um, I kind of took a look at everything that was in my room and everything that I didn't need or didn't want and that didn't add value to my life. And so I decided that I would donate it to uh, this charity cause for my school. And that was honestly one of the most fulfilling gifts I think I got and I think that I could give. Um, so I just wanted to make a comment saying, you know, if you have all this stuff and you're worried about, you know, stuff for Christmas, one thing that I did was I took a look at everything that I had already and I put stuff that doesn't add value to my life in a bag and I donated it to a cause that might add value to some others. I don't know if this comment has been said already, um, but that's all I wanted to say. Hi, this is Kira. I'm a student at UCSB, and I am a big fan of the minimalists, your guys' messages, and everything for the most part, but there's one thing that I think um, is important to kind of make clear from my own experiences around health and nutrition and diet and what that all means. So I personally ha am right now recovering from an eating disorder, um, and it was confusing for me, I think, to listen to you guys and to about Leo Babado's story that like minimalism and all this positive radical life change went along with weight loss. But I actually needed to gain weight and exercise less. And that seemed counterintuitive. And just like how minimalism is like a middle way. Minimalism is not about deprivation. You guys say that a lot. I think that health and exercise should be the same thing. So you don't necessarily have to just prescribe to a single diet it's really about finding balance and same with exercise it should all come from a place of loving your body rather than what you should do because it does feel good to exercise and eat well but uh, everything in moderation and so for me personally exercise and diet became anchors and restrictive behaviors that were kind of prohibiting me from social interactions and other positive things and so for me, removing those anchors and focusing on what is was positive in my life meant gaining weight, and that was a healthy thing for me. Hi, this is Lauren. I live in New Orleans. Forgive me if this tip has been used in one form or another on your podcast. I just started listening this year and haven't completely caught up on all of the episodes. But I was cleaning out my clothes closet and dresser this morning and wanted to share my tip for keeping a minimalist wardrobe. So in my dresser and my closet, I have stacks of items, underwear, socks, shirts, shorts, jeans, etc. All of my different clothing items are in stacks. When I do laundry, I put the clean items at the bottom of each stack, so the items that I haven't worn most recently end up at the top of the stack. And I try to choose items to wear from the top each day. That way, if I find myself not, wi not willing to wear something that's on the top of the stack because I don't like it anymore or it doesn't fit anymore, then I know it's probably time to get rid of it. I also do this with my hanging clothes. I will put the laundered items on the right side and try to choose items to wear from the left side. So they're also constantly rotating. 
Consequently, I only had a small bag of items to get rid of during today's purge because I wear most of the items that I own. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so take